Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Have you seen this? I'm Jennifer Albright. And I'm Tim Heiderich. Before we get started, I have a couple shout-outs. First one goes to Liam. Liam, you're a star for supporting the show. You can join Liam and all our friends on Patreon for only $2 a month. Get access to all our bonus content. That's patreon.com slash have you seen this. And the other shout-out goes to friend of the show, Moogrim. The mysterious Moogrim for promoting the show on Twitter and getting us a whole bunch of new followers on there. So, thanks, buddy. I I fought a Moogrim in my last dungeon crawl. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get lots of gold? I got lots of XP, but you know the problem with XP is no matter how much you get, it's never enough. What are we talking about today, Tim? Uh, we're well. Uh, Jen has uh acquiesced and let me actually do an episode about. A subject that I think I've shoehorned into at least two other episodes already. I know something deeply personal to Tim. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, eek the cat. No, it was um, <laughs> I, really. <laughs> I know that we brought it up on the shot on video horror uh, episode mm-hmm. because it was a contemporary of it. But I want to just so I can get it out of my system, dedicate a whole episode to the twenty-minute music video anthology uh, from Nine Inch Nails, known as the Broken Movie. Oh, I thought we were doing the Borkin movie, you know, the Swedish chef biopic. Oh, no, I thought we were doing, I thought you said you wanted to do the Dworkin movie. <laughs> yeah, the one about how all um, hetero intercourse is rape, of course. Right, yeah. So speaking of edgy subjects. Woo! Yeah. Uh, so Now, but be careful, listener, not to cut yourself because there's a whole lot of edge coming at you today. Yeah, for real. Um, and yeah, I know that. Uh, our our eagle eared is that such a word term? <laughs> what animal has really good hearing? Uh, couldn't tell you. Um, a kitty? It a maybe a, a rabbit. Um, so for our astute listeners, I've already gone over a lot of this, but we're going to go into this into some more depth. Um, I guess we're to gonna, put we're going to drop it right on your face like the hot load it is. Right. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> So where to start? Uh, I know this is a movie podcast, but we're going to go into a uh, digression about uh, Nine Inch Nails and industrial music from the '90s. Ah, that's why we are now a media podcast, right? Of a yeah, movie podcast. Yeah, we we cover you know movies, um, leaflets, so skywriting. Like, yeah, so we can just be like, I don't know. Let's fuck talk about this. I don't fucking know. I just want to take a fucking nap. Yeah, we're we're a very undisciplined movie podcast. Um, so, uh, 1989 or so, um, Trent Reznor signs on to TVT, uh, records. Um, he gets a, a contract based on the strength of his, uh, demos for what would become Pretty Hate Machine, an album that was, uh, written and composed on a Mac SE for any of you, like, real anoraks out there. Um, God, this is going to be the timmest episode that ever timmed. Yeah, if I can shoehorn some Legos into here. Tell um, us about the digital barn, Tim. 
<laughs> well, I haven't visited the digital barn. I mean, I've only just been in the Bay oh, Area sorry, for a while. Oh, sorry, it was the vintage computer fair. <clears throat> yeah, that's not until like September. So, I mean, give me oh, a break. pardon me. Yeah. I mean, I usually do the two of them at once. I go to the vintage computer fair and then the computer history museum at once. Tim um, actually isn't really into industrial music. He uh, he just likes Trent Reznor because he uses Apple products. Yeah, I like old vintage uh, computers, and you know, as a result, the music that's made on them. No, I mean it was a Mac SE and a MIDI keyboard, and you know, sampling, of course. Uh, but yeah, that was that was what was amazing about it. It was a real nice uh, homebrew setup that uh, Trent had going. Uh, caught the attention of soon-to-be nemesis uh, Steve Gottlieb of TVT. You can see that Trent is already heading down the same path as what happened to Al Jorgensen with his debut effort. Because it is, um, and a lot of this you can find in the liner notes of the uh, broken uh, EP, um, the like vinyl re-release uh, of pretty much like his his struggle at the time, saying, you know, this this is what he's going through as an artist uh, with his label. Like it's, it's you know, <laughs> it's the time-worn story of an artist fighting with their label. I was going to say a tale <laughs> as old as time or at least record companies. Yeah. A lot of uh, angst, understandably, is born out of this, uh, uh, this um, malignant relationship between Trent and his label. Um, Pretty Hate Machine ends up doing really well uh despite mm -hmm. uh uh despite meddling from the, the label um mm -hmm. <clears throat> but still uh you know Trent's under contract things aren't going well for him um and he kind of reaches Plus this he's just a sad guy in general yeah he's just a, he's just a sad angry man um <laughs> and the the funny thing that still gets me is that he's like 25 when all this is going on and i'm like i can't even imagine um, being that much of a, you know, being but a child, um, yeah. and being thrust into this. But, um, but what happens is, you know, Trent and, you know, his producer, um, start recording Broken on the sly because they know that anything that they record is still going to be owned by TVT. Um, so it's all kind of underground, uh, recording sessions and stuff done at home and kind of done, you know, on their own time. Uh, yeah, which, um, yeah, because like they did it under pseudonyms and stuff like that. And also, I believe um, that they recorded a lot of this at Trent's home, which at the time was the infamous uh, Tate murder house on Cielo Drive. Yeah, which is good for helping to establish a mood. Now, I found an interesting uh, tidbit, which I wasn't able to confirm. So if anybody knows, um, please hit us up. Um, either on Twitter at HYSTpod or info at haveyouseen.us. Um, apparently, Trent Reznor didn't know that the Cielo Drive was the actual Tate LaBianca um, murder house. Okay. <laughs> which, at the time that he got it, I think, which, uh, number one, I thought that... Um, at least in California, you're supposed to disclose if a murder has been committed at a house. Yeah. But are you obliged to say, like, oh, like, not only was it multiple murders, it was a very famous murder? <laughs> <laughs> this is a... F <laughs> I got good news and, and bad news about this house, Mr. Reznor. Yeah, and second, um, I realized that this was pre-internet days, so um, information wasn't 
out there the way it is now, but it's like, how do you, like, how are you like a, a really dark musician and you don't know what yeah. that house is? Yeah, that sounds so, really dubious. <laughs> yeah, it was in a... Because, um, you know, you just imagine like, you know, a few weeks later, you know, Trent in his bathrobe, like, you know, sipping his coffee and his friend comes over and he's like, <laughs> you, know, you know what house this is, right? And he's like, what? Just like hand to, no. hand to chest. <laughs> like he drops his he's coffee. Like, no, you know what house this is, right? And Trent's like, yeah, dude, somebody got killed here. And then his friend's like... No, like multiple people fucking got killed here, dude. <laughs> I, was, I was hanging out with my close personal friend, Roman Polanski. I invited him over, but he didn't want to come. I don't know. He had to be in France for something. <laughs> yeah, so um, Manuela uh, Reznor's like, damn, the worst thing about this house so far has been that my dog is uh, filling it with farts. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's why he got the dog. Like he that that was on purpose. He did know that. Um, so that's a um, just a funny funny tidbit to explain that very inside joke. Um, there is a book by the guy who wrote uh, the game, uh, Neil Strauss. He did he did kind of a compilation of his interviews with different uh, most mostly uh, rock and other musicians uh, called "Everyone Loves You When You're Dead." And um, actually an interesting book. I recommend it because um, he kind of broke up the interviews and put them together so they flow um, with each building on the, the one that came before it. Mm -hmm. But he has some uh, interview bits that he did with Trent Reznor. And, um, and I actually remembered the story wrong when I told it to Tim because uh, apparently Trent at the time had a dog named Daisy who farted a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as described in the book... Um, let me grab that screen cap. Yeah, um, here's how it is in the book. We walk inside and sit on the couch with Reznor's dog, Daisy, who farts almost continually throughout the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and the way I remembered the, aside from uh, Trent Reznor about the dog, was um, I remembered him as saying, Daisy, are you ever going to stop farting? But I think I conflated it with a mystery science theater joke. What he actually says to the dog is, Daisy, what just came out of your butt? <laughs> Well, yeah, people don't come to this uh, this podcast for uh, for accuracy. They come to it for the fart jokes. <laughs> also, he has a dog named Daisy, which is yeah. so funny to me. Well, you know, I mean, maybe you look to the dog and he's like, yeah, you're definitely a Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> he also had another dog named Maisie, which appears um, orally on the uh, the broken AP, I believe. So he's got a type then, a type of dog yeah. that he likes. <laughs> and sadly, uh, Maisie passed away uh, on a fall from a balcony. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> sadly, oh, Maisie passed away. She was murdered by six cultists uh, hoping to start a race <laughs> war. <laughs> and they wrote doggy on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shall, shall we talk about Roman Polanski's romantic life? <laughs> Dogs and cats starting a race war. Right. Mass hysteria. 
<laughs> okay, so um, so we know. But anyway, back to the broken. Yes, yeah, so... we haven't even gotten to the fucking movie yet. So we know what. Well, there's a lot of context here to to unpack. So um, I believe the point that that Tim is getting to is that the broken EP was uh, created under a great kind of like artistic duress. Yeah, yeah, because and in I... a house in which multiple murders were committed. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a second, you know. Second most interesting thing about it, um, but yeah, like to to put, I I think to put this in context, to put this in um, in in Trent's you know headspace when this is going on, um, and you know in the article they talk about you know an artist has a whole lifetime to to put together their first album in this case it being Pretty Hate Machine and you know it's the the label in the industry deciding whether or not you know your um, uh, your Aggregate life experiences have merit, basically. And at this point, you know, TVT is like, eh, not really. I don't know. Um, which has got to be, you know, it's got to be mm-hmm. really painful for the artist. So if you put yourself in Trent's shoes at this point, he has, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know he's, he's put blood, sweat, and tears into this first album. And, you know, he... If, if, you're, if you're this person, you know, there, there's some awkward photo of him in, like, high school band or something in like the early 80s and you're like oh this guy went on to to do music good for him um i bet he listened to rush m- maybe um you all can ask. band kids love rush <clears throat> all D kids listen to rush they're very influential um the musician amongst man. dorks yeah um <laughs> so so to i your- listen to rush and i'm a dork so you know yeah yeah we can say that word um, yeah. <laughs> that is our word. Yeah. So, so to put yourself in Trent's shoes, he has been, you know, a, a fan of music since his teenage years. Wanted to be a musician, you know. Achieves this, you know, pinnacle achievement of actually, you know, getting on a label, releasing an album. The album does phenomenally. Um, and after that, like he's finding that things are going badly for him. He's finding that you know, he's kind of trapped in this uh you know loveless marriage of a record contract and you know he's thought to be this pliable commodity and already like his dream is slipping away from him so Mm -hmm. he's looking at it like um this next album it eventually being you know the broken ep this album is my last shot basically like this is like i could not have an album after Pretty Hate Machine. I could not have a career after Pretty Hate Machine, despite you know his certainty and the work that he was doing, because you know he had a bold artistic vision, and he's saying, you know, this is important to me. This is what I want to do with my life. And just to imagine having that taken from you, just the like the the pain and anguish that has got to come out of that. And so, Broken becomes then. This saying, like, if you had one last chance to say it, like, this is your chance to say it. Like, mm-hmm. and any message that you wanted to get out in your career, like, you might not, you might not, you probably won't have a third album, you might not even have a second one. But if the second one gets out, say everything that you want to say, don't sugarcoat it, just get it all out there, because this is your last chance. Crisco coat it, and say fist fuck. Yeah, that also works. So, <laughs> yeah, so... Putting putting that into the context, um, you can 
uh, understand a, a lot of the lyrics, you know, resonate with listeners for various reasons, but things like, uh, but tracks like Happiness and Slavery and Wish, like those, when you see them in the context of uh, Trent with his record label, you're like, oh, I know exactly what this is about. Because, mm-hmm. um, uh, what is it, like, like last saying, you know, this isn't meant to last, this is for right now, this is him, like, basically, uh, you know, raging and, you know, mourning against what could be like the death of his career, you know, saying, Oh, yeah. I thought I've, I've thought for the last, you know, decade or so, uh, that I would be a professional musician. I would be a, you know, a singer songwriter, but no, this isn't meant to last. This is just something that, that came and went. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't, doesn't work out the way you want. And happiness and slavery, you know, is uh, seen in the context of, you know, him and his record label, and all that. So it is a it is a brief album, and I know I've said before I I refer to it as my favorite Nine Inch Nails album, and was corrected. It's not an album; it's an EP, and it is it's <laughs> it's it's six tracks with two bonus tracks, two covers. Um, you know some pedantic goths, Tim. Right, I do. Well, <laughs> they know this stuff better than I do. So it was you know it was six original tracks. Um, it was a what a Gary Newman cover and a Queen cover. No, um, uh, I thought it was um, Adam and the Ants and a Pig Face. Adam Ant. Yeah, my mistake. Yeah, and then okay. uh, Pig Face, which I again, I'm not, I'm hardly an expert in industrial music, but I guess Pig Face is like a um, kind of like a round robin of uh, different industrial musicians. A and super kind of group. Like a, yeah, a super group, if you will. Yeah, they're or... they're they're, <laughs> they're the Boston of uh, industrial. <laughs> I thought Boston was the Boston of industrial music. Man, they rock. King Crimson, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. King King Crimson is a good. Um, that's a good analog, and also I think they've had some association with King Crimson. I could be wrong. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. yeah. So. So I would say listen to the album again. Um, it's a good knowing, record. Yeah, knowing knowing what you know about um, the the context in which it was made, you, all the lyrics start to make a lot more sense, and you really see where Trent's coming from. Alternately, uh, there is a video out there, <laughs> a a music video compilation that goes with uh, that goes with Broken, and it's called the Broken Movie. So here we are, a half hour in, finally getting around to what we were talking about <laughs> after a bunch of shit that I misremembered. Um, but uh, it definitely, f- uh, this particular work definitely fits our show because it has actually never been officially released. Right. Yeah. It was. It was kind of befalling the same fate that um, that the broken uh, EP uh, was. Uh, was possibly uh, going to succumb to in that it was um, it, uh, Trent collaborating with uh, P- Peter Christopherson of um, Hypnosis, which is a, uh, I guess like a, a design consortium. Yeah, they, they've done a lot of great album covers. Um, uh, they did uh, Wish You Were Here for Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. They worked with Yes as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like Peter Gabriel. You, you'll, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, Christopherson, uh, Christopherson worked with Peter Gabriel on his um, 
the covers of his early solo album, which are iconic. Like if you've seen the the Melting Face cover, um, which is my personal uh, favorite of his yeah. early works. Um, but um, most importantly, uh, Christopherson was also part of Coil, um, one of the seminal uh, industrial bands. Yeah, so so the guy knew what he was talking about. Uh, also, quick shout out to Coil for their cover of Tainted Love, which uh, Christopherson also directed the video for. Um, and I believe that that was the first ever AIDS charity single. Oh. Um, also, the, the video is pretty sick, and it's got an appearance from Mark Almond of Soft Cell. Um, and I like to think that it kind of foreshadows that thing that they do in trailers where they take a pop song and then they do like a really like down-tempo, depressed cover of it. Oh, yeah. Like uh, that that really downbeat version of Mad World that they use for the uh, Gears of War ad. Yeah. yeah and then it appeared really... in Donnie Darko. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah same, same, same story. Um, not that and Mad... now every trailer has got like a whispery voiced girl singing Twinkle. Yeah. Can we have like a... <laughs> star and you're like wow that is so ironic yeah can we have like a, a down tempo uh minor key version of the happy birthday song <laughs> so. i'm surprised that it hasn't already been in a trailer yeah uh, how about a someone will uh, write in yeah how about a how about a down tempo cover of rem shiny happy people <laughs> you you say that but you know netflix is going to come out with another you know 13 part series next week that will use oh, that in no. a trailer. The, the most meta thing ever would be a trailer with a down-tempo cover of either Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves or Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. I'm certain that they're using that as like a music cue in one of the later episodes of the new season of Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that is so something they would do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but if you guys have suggestions for ironic slow covers of happy songs, please write in. Right. Point that I uh, always uh, go back to. You know, the uh, the broken movie ultimately suffered the same fate that um, the broken EP was at risk of in that it was never actually released because um, when they finally got to the end of it, um, broken uh, the broken movie being a... Um, compilation of uh music videos with a uh framing device of a um of a uh kidnap and uh torture and murder so they uh you know all the good shit yeah yeah so at the end i think uh you know trent and peter just kind of looked at each other like uh yeah we can't we can't release this um and part of it too uh, and i forget if it was in this article or another one but um but yeah, they they astutely observed that the visuals kind of eclipse the music. Like the music is is great, but mm -hmm. you kind of forget about it when you're like, oh, remember that snuff film that we watched? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And um, Christ for as for uh, Christopherson, um, he directed the Frame Story. I believe that the um, Happiness and Slavery video was directed by. A guy called John Rice, who is a um, he's from Cal Arts. Yeah, he's a he's also a filmmaker. His his blog is is uh, worth looking at as well if you're interested in um, making movies and uh, distributing them. Um, 
so the two of them looking at what they got and they're like oh boy yeah we made it you know it's kind of they they are much like george lucas in that you know they kind of went a little too far in a few places (laughs) (laughs) it's like poetry yeah yeah um, so a guy a guy getting decapitated by hanging right yeah <laughs> um, well it's spoiler but, um, alert yeah uh, yeah uh the spoiler podcast um but chris Iverson wanted to make a movie kind of about <clears throat> you know and his as he put it like something about snuff films and how people are obsessed with them and um like again like as as tim as tim and george lucas both said like they went maybe went a little too far because um this shit still hits like really hard and this came out in 1993 yeah um and it packs a punch like just watching it on you know for example archive.org yeah where it, it is freely available it's also um, yeah, it hasn't lost any of you, its uh impact you know <laughs> 20 no. 30 years on yeah and if, if also if you go to uh the official nine inch nails website they have a hidden link on their discography page yeah uh, so yeah so you can it. find it on the nine inch nails website you can find it on archive.org you can find a torrent of it which is interesting because um of the mythology around the tape itself it it has a it is very um uh it, it has a consistency of theme uh which I think really helps to to promote its uh, mythology in that it was a tape that was never released, meaning that you couldn't just go to go down to the, you know the warehouse and buy a copy. Like, you, you... <laughs> it's not at Suncoast. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it's just the same three Red Dwarf VHS tapes. Um, so so yeah, you couldn't you couldn't go down and buy it at Sunset. Um, but if you knew someone who knew someone, you could find you know a high generation copy with some parts blacked out that, you know, is a, you know, SLP quality recording of all these nine inch nails videos and also probably real video of someone being killed. you're like, wait a minute. Um, Yes. So, and that was kind of that, that was something which gave um, certainly the director pause Um, as he put it, you know, everyone was, was, making shitty copies of shitty copies and um he talked about an interview where he said this what i considered at the time to be pretty obvious clues that this was a fake and actually making a comment about those things were lost by the bad quality so unfortunately a lot of people especially kids started to believe that it was a real snuff movie yeah so it's it's kind of you know life imitates art and then it you know kind of loops around on itself again um to become like the thing um, that it was pretending to be then it like really becomes that thing which i th- i think is magical well yeah i mean i was gonna say like it prefigured stuff like uh one lunatic one ice pick which unfortunately is a real snuff film yeah or the blair witch which unfortunately is not <laughs> <laughs> all those little dipshits lived with the- yeah i know and spawned you know a thousand imitators of just shitty bickering people going into the woods for 90 minutes um well that's a um that's that's uh to be fair like that's that's always been the thing in uh in the horror genre i mean like look at like house of haunted hill it's a bunch of assholes trapped in a house it, or the first evil dead yeah th- no they aren't like uh, not to that degree i mean i just feel like it, well, it became no. like like just so much more unvarnished after blair witch like, but that's true. That's also I mean, because no one, 2004 no one in, really sucks. 
Well, yeah, and especially with um, found footage becoming as popular as it as it still is. Yeah. Um, so but, it was kind of. Uh, I mean, just look at fucking uh, Paranormal Activity, which was. Dude, I don't want to look at norm- Paranormal is, Activity. <laughs> <laughs> it's dog shit. Yeah. And I can't. There is so, a brilliant parody on YouTube, though, that you have to. Yes. see. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, starring this bitch with orangutan titties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, my tits looked good. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, yeah, you should. Yeah, for, and for two dollars for Patreon subscribers, Jen will show them to you. <laughs> <laughs> On our. Uh, That's one dollar a. Titty. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, go to uh, OnlyFans.com/slash. Have you seen? <laughs> I ain't got no dollar titties. Yeah. That's at least a $5 bill a piece. Um, All right, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, but uh, I think I was making a point about um, found footage horror. And yeah, like found footage didn't even have a name at the time. Can. Um, this is weird. I was trying to look up um, where the found footage genre actually came from. It came from Cannibal just, Holocaust. Well, there was actually a movie uh, by... Uh, Shirley Clark, an experimental filmmaker. Um, some of her stuff is available on uh, Criterion Channel. Um, I believe still, um, if they haven't um, moved on to the next batch of content. Um, but she made a, a feature called The Connection in 1961, which opens with a title card saying that it was constructed out of found footage. Okay. Um, and that's kind of a, I believe, a fictional uh, frame story. But yeah, 1961, found footage was a thing, which to me is wild. Yeah, well, that's that's great. It's, it shows that people have been innovating for decades, and anything that you think is new is old again. So yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, let's see, I don't think we've even gotten into the content of this, other than just our 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 collective blanching at it. Um, oh, right. I was going to say how, um, because I think what I was saying was that, um, you know, myself, like watching it, I didn't see it until a few years ago when Tim showed it to me. Yeah. Um, and and even as a relatively uh, jaded film viewer in my late 30s at the time, I was still like, God damn, this is, this is rough. Yeah. I can't imagine being like... A Nine Inch Nails fan, <laughs> like, you know, in my teens or twenties, in the early nineties, and seeing this. Yeah, and I mean, keep in but, mind too, like you had already seen like Solo, and yeah. uh, and uh, what the the Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. Garbage Pail Kids movie, just almost <laughs> is horrifying. Um, the Devils, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like I've seen shit that goes hard, but this goes pretty fucking hard. Yeah, um, so you know, more more credit them. How old were you when you first saw it, Tim? Because you were a Nine Inch Nails fan. Uh, I day, well, right? yeah, I think. I mean, I was a you know, I was a. <laughs> I had. You were an angry young man. Well, yeah, I, I put on Pretty Hate Machine the other day, and you know, I was talking to you know my my friend about it, and like, yeah, like it it, um, it surfaces a lot of what he referred to as unearned teenage angst. Because yeah, that that was that was. <laughs> Precisely why I was into Nine Inch Nails at the time. I'm still into them because they happen to make good music. Um, but yeah, I think I came to uh, the Broken movie uh, when I was in college, and I think like the my first exposure to it was um, you know downloading like an MPEG of it off of Hotline, 
or like LimeWire <laughs> or something. And so, you know, my first exposure to it was, you know, a, a shitty like 180 by you know 240 Cinepak video <laughs> of it being like, wow, I'd sure would like to see what this actually looked like. Um, but yeah, coming <laughs> to it um, through... Well, anyway, time to jerk off to 15 seconds of porn. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the GIFs weren't even animated. They were just, you know... <laughs> Like what am I gonna? <laughs> they all had like, they all had like sixteen colors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the way that you know I, um, the way that I discovered it was very you know, organic to the ethos of the the movie itself. In that I, right. I found it on an illegal file sharing site, which is like that's the perfect way to find the broken movie. Yeah, but, and let's um, really briefly. Um, uh, sorry, Tim. Finish what you were gonna, yeah. what you were saying, and then let's talk a little bit about the quote unquote distribution. Right, but you know that's um, and and that was and then later on it uh, like Jen mentioned, it's on archive.org. Um, it's on you know uh, the Nine Inch Nails site, and you can find a as I have a um, a DVD disc image of the movie, and it is mm-hmm. all cleaned up as much as you know as clean as it can get. Um, and it has you know all the footage in it, and um, yeah, so you can watch the um, you can watch like the clean version, or or you can watch like <laughs> clean, yeah, yeah, quote unquote, yeah, so to speak. You can see Bob <clears throat> Flanagan's dick in absolutely granular detail. Yeah, so you can watch like the clean like retail version, or you can watch the grungy um, like dubbed version. And for me, as I think happened at the time when I when I first showed you. The broken movie. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can watch the the clean normal version, but I want to watch the really you know gunked up version because it seems more authentic. Right. So yeah, because yes, literally this movie was never officially dis, uh, distributed. Um, there's no way I I don't think that they even took it to their record company, which I think would have been um, Interscope at the time because. No record company. I mean, no record company now would touch this, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just imagine. Because it's, you know, like the scatology, like the sexual assault, yeah, it is the like, mutilation. Yeah, it is like a greatest like, hits of, of yeah. <laughs> just like taboo subjects. Yeah, exactly. Or, or just and BDSM subject matter. So what Trent Reznor did was that he just kind of passed around some... It would have been VHS at the time. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 93. He passed around some VHS copies to people he knew. Um, Some of them varying slightly. There were different versions with certain parts uh, blacked out. And that was so he could tell who had leaked it if it did leak. And it it leak it did. Right. Um, I believe what... um, The the director mentioned in an an interview that... um, as he put it, um, these are his words. Um, Trent leaked a couple of copies to a video shop in Ventura Boulevard or somewhere. Huh. <laughs> so this came out of the valley, which is fucking great. Um, yeah. Who subsequently made what I understand to be an excess of twenty to thirty thousand dollars bootlegging and selling copies of copies. I think that's great too. Just the idea that, like, <clears throat> hey, this moody guy stopped into my uh, video shop in the valley and dropped off a tape, and now you can rent it. Like, how weird is that? 
that's like that's like that's like a level of the ring. This kind of like medium height like goth guy, like yeah, <laughs> with a fucking yeah. like one of those like probably like a black plastic like VHS case. Yeah, and then, you know, not even a case, this... just like the. I like to yeah, like just the bl- the 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 tape, no case, and I like to imagine them uh, like putting it on in the store and then being like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, it's just like it's like it's, oh, like popping up on the CRT monitors in the store. Yeah, and you know, it's it's commitment to a theme here that I think is is really what makes us so so enjoyable. Um, so and this was um, and this was virality pre-internet, right? Which is also pretty fucking cool. I mean, obviously, the internet has facilitated the spread of information beyond. Yeah, it's made it a lot easier. Us- yeah, what any of us could have dreamed at the time, but, um, you know, and I would actually like to do, um, I would like to do an episode on um, kind of like viral uh, mixtapes, uh, because there are some notorious ones. Okay. Hey, we um, can mention uh, the Broken Movie in it. <laughs> this is now the Broken Movie podcast. <laughs> We're sounding like a broken um, record. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, just the fact that this basically went viral pre-internet um, with copies past analog, hand to hand, like yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's it's why we're still talking about it uh, to this day. Um, so yeah, it it was something that was originally you know difficult to come by, something that like you know you'd have to know someone and like you know mail order it from them, or if you happen to. Um, be, you know, have the inside track of a Valley video store. Um, but yeah, now you can just go on archive.org and download it. Um, yeah, which um, if you uh, if you can stomach it, we recommend it. Yeah. And if you can't, all the more reason to. Um, so, yeah, yeah, let's let's get into <laughs> let's get into the, the movie because it opens with um, it's just it like uh, it's it's shot on video horror. It is uh, it opens with <laughs> just these anonymous scenes of someone um, yeah, it's the point of view of someone driving through, you know, like the suburbs, just you know, uh, witnessing random people going, mm-hmm. you know, going inexorably to like the the shittier industrial part of town, um, before settling on like this this guy walking down the street, is this uh, drifter who kind of comes into frame and pauses. It's and like then, under the skin. Yeah, and then you know, just this, uh, yeah, just picking up random strangers in your van um and then hard cut to this um you know hapless fellow tied up in someone's basement yep yeah and he um and you know we we meet our uh serial killer although like you know to say that we meet him is um maybe a little misleading (laughs) because like we don't even get like a, a good look at this guy because like the tape quality is so uh uh degraded and you know fritzing out and yeah. the the thing that I love too about these these framing torture scenes is that they use the the glitching as like an editing technique, um, yes. so that by the climax of the torture, it is like the edits and the glitches are coming at you like so hard and fast that it's tough to like make sense of it, and it is just this mm-hmm. um yeah this this overwhelming visual experience that it's just you're only getting glimpses of what um you know of 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 what you're seeing 
And so while you're trying to process that, new things are coming at you and it becomes this very you know, heightened experience. I think that um, as we've seen in, in other places, uh, one of the ways that horror works is it heightens your current experience and then just begins to throw more things at you than you can handle, think more than you can process. Um, to overload your circuits. Yeah, yeah. I had, um, I, I had gotten... I got this explanation at a um, at a panel where they were discussing uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, the video game, and they're saying like you know the way to really heighten tension and horror or or just you know anxiety is to like give you a difficult task and then on top of that just start like throwing shit at you, where you know already your um, uh, your you know mental uh, faculties are being taxed in the same way that watching this movie you're trying to make sense of it you're trying to grasp onto things visually and understand the scene as it's being presented to you. But you keep getting thrown, you know, curveballs and like these glitches and these new edits and these things that are shown out of context. So it's your your brain is trying to process all of this and it can't and it just becomes overwhelming, which is just a fantastic editing, you know, and, and visual technique. Um, and for the normies out there, that's actually a good summation of what it's like to have ADHD. <laughs> Just terminally, terminally overloaded while trying to to accomplish simple tasks. Yeah, just just an unending, um, unending uh, Nine Inch Nails torture scene. Uh, I realized too that like um, I've completely forgotten the um, like the cold open of this because it doesn't start with the VHS. It starts with the guy being hanged. It starts with this, like... Oh, that's right. Because we start off with some uh, obvious professionally made footage. Yeah. Of a... Um, yeah, of a guy... In black and white. Yeah. Of a guy with, like, you know, they, they you know, cue on his, you know, his, his uh, leather boots. Um, you know, his, his sort of, um, uh, you know, a Zodiac Killer Wingwalker, you know, prison boots and you know he's in a jumpsuit and he's um getting uh roped up for his hanging and the um and he's chill he, with he it. steps on yeah he you know he, he steps into place on over his trap door um they get a, a close-up of you know the guy's eyes and he seems pretty okay with it <laughs> they pull the lever the floor opens the guy drops cut to black then we get cruising through the suburbs looking for tricks yeah which inevitably leads to this this torture uh, scene. I love that uh, found footage that comes at you after the hanging scene because it is so uh, DIY and mundane. And it's very disorienting after the professionally shot uh, short sequence that you've just seen because it's kind of like, wait, what the fuck am I watching? Like, Yeah, it's like, how do we get here? And it, it barely even uh, checks in with you that this is a music video yes um because you get um you get like this video offset reverse end so you're like okay it's nine inch nails and you know it, you get visual offset of the word broken mm-hmm. so you can see it in context but like you know you don't get any kind of you know directed by starring featuring the music of or anything like that and in fact it just kind of um, whispers at you most of the uh, most of the cast like i think with the exception uh, with the exception of you know trent reznor and like bob flanagan they're not credited um yeah i don't think yeah I don't like think if you anybody didn't knows who these people are this day <laughs> yeah like if you didn't know who bob flanagan was before watching mm-hmm. this you would just think he was a guy yes so yeah, and, and this yeah, was I years don't... before the documentary about him came out because um, 
Sick came out after his death. He passed away in 1996, and I think that documentary hit in 1997. So if you're not into like a really heavy S&M or art trip, you don't know who this yeah. is. Yeah, like it's the same thing. If you aren't in the Valley or if you aren't in Santa Monica in like 1989 through 92, you don't know anything about this guy. Two of the most depraved places on Earth, especially the Valley. Yes. Right, right, yeah. You know when yeah, uh, I think she, Bob Flanagan, he was on the West Side, yeah. <laughs> I think so. But uh, yeah, okay. Sherry Folly in um, Lawrence of Arabia, when he said that the Nefud was the worst place God created, you could tell he'd never been to the San Fernando Valley. Right, yeah, because, I mean, at least, like, you know, the desert just kind of lets you be. The desert is clean. Um, you're right. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's not clean, but it's warm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's what they call a metaphor. <laughs> Um, so you have, you already have some, um, very... You have some bona fide outre, uh, S&M, uh, collaborators in this. Yes, and you've got, um, you've got very disorienting editing right up front, which really does give you the feel of a, um, kind of like a bootleg, uh, mixtape or, you know, VHS, uh, is the kind of thing I'm talking yeah. about. Like, it's, it really does feel like a muck assault video where it's like, you'll see... You know, um, Bud Dwyer's suicide next to like, you know, another fun, uh, like a funny like TV yeah, clip. Like, yeah, like napalm stock footage. Yeah. And... Um, Viet Cong guy getting shot in the head next to like, yeah. uh, here's a clown, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Yeah. Or like, you know, here are the, uh, here are the ads from, um, you know, they showed during the Star Wars holiday special. Right. Which is horrifying <laughs> in its own way. Reggie, um, the candy bar they named after me. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the the titles um, do like the briefest of check-ins to ground you that this is a music video and not an actual snuff film. Um, but it, it goes into the uh, you know, the the torture starts in earnest um, with you know the victim um, being forced to drink like you know out of a gas can. Yes. Um, yeah, he he's tied up and his torturer uh, shows him the video for the first song off of Broken, which is Pinion. Um, and I was surprised that they bothered to make a video for Pinion because Pinion is like a minute and a half long. Well, that's all you need, really. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, you know, as we mentioned Bob Flanagan and him being, you know, this like, uh, career masochist and the video for Pinion is, um, a toilet getting flushed and then the, the contents, going down the drain into the mouth of a person in like his full body bondage suit. <laughs> and like, and <laughs> if that isn't an elevator pitch, you know, that slays, I don't know what is. Again, this is in 1993. Yeah. Like, so, and um, kind of a note about like the recurring bondage themes in this movie. Um, mm. You'll see bondage evoked in mainstream media but mostly as kind of a joke or as a sort of um shorthand for oh these people are kinky and it's usually like an attractive woman in dominatrix gear with a whip and like maybe she's uh tormenting a really pathetic guy but you know he's still got all his clothes on and shit like he's in his bo his boxers with like hearts on them or whatever you know so right, cultural yeah. depictions of bondage were um very they're, they're kind of yeah, they're they're facile. They're 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 really trivial. Yeah. Now, um, if you are at all kinky or if you have kinky friends, you know that it goes like 
way beyond like tickling a guy's feet while he's tied up. I mean, and this <laughs> and this movie like just plunges you right into extremely hardcore shit, which is like um it's like you know, uh, there's a scatological element to it. There's a breath play element to it. There's like full body restraint in latex yeah. with straps. It's like this is not movie and TV bondage. This is this is being made by people who know what the fuck it is actually about. Yeah, yeah. It's it's saying I you know I want I want to be strapped down and forced to drink piss. It's like that yeah. isn't something <laughs> you're gonna see on CSI. Yeah, and um, and also it's interesting because um. Uh, I for whatever reason I keep thinking of um what's that Stuart Gordon movie is it from Beyond where there's all of a sudden like bondage gear Yeah yeah that's that's from Beyond Yeah and it's like because yeah, the lady has kind of like a psychotic break Yes and um you know oh it's like a a sexy woman in latex which is kind of that's mm-hmm. like and you know there was that you know and I'm not like I'm not hating there's nothing wrong with sexy ladies in in fetish gear but that is it's also very fetish 101 because it is it is yeah. marginally acceptable to the mainstream as a signifier of kink. Um, then yeah, you go, it's like it's it's fetish gear in the same way that like lingerie is fetish gear. Like it's, it's yeah, a sexy outfit. It's yeah, it's 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 fairly basic. And so instead of going um, kind of, uh, I don't want to keep saying mainstream, but um, instead of kind of making something pal- palatable for the masses to a degree where it's like, you know, they could have, they could have punted and put like a real sexy girl in some like latex yeah. straps. It's like, no, we're going to get fucking Bob Flanagan, the guy who hammered a nail through yeah. his glands penis. Like, yeah. so, yeah. And so this is, you know, kind of what I was saying first about, you know, the, the, uh, driving force behind broken where it's like, Hey, we may not get a, another chance at this. So whatever you're going to say, say it. Mm hmm. So that's that's why this video goes so hard. So so we see, you know, not even not even like a two minute video for for opinion, and then it's back to more torture. And you know, it starts with like Jen saying like more um, more uh, 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 harder kinks and more uh, grotesque torture. Like I think he's pulling his teeth out at this point. I think. Um... Let's see. The teeth pulling, I think, comes a little later. And I mean that, and that like isn't even a fetish. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't that's think just, that's anybody's that's fetish. Straight up that's torture. just regular torture. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, they there's the um after the the um the sewage part. Um. There's a little bit more of the amateur video. Um. It's the he's pouring liquid on his victim from a jerry can, and then um yeah. and then there's a. Almost as a breather, there's like a a proper music video, um, but it's yeah, yeah. There's the video for Wish, which yeah. yeah, like Jen says, is a proper music video. Yeah, which is um, you know, but it's a Nine Inch Nails video, so it's this kind of like like Thunderdome you know, atmosphere. They're, yeah, they're playing in the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's so um, yeah, straight laced, and that is actually a uh of you know a uh, presentation of the band playing instruments. Yeah. And you know, like our front man, it makes an appearance. It isn't just like, oh, we're we're gonna see a bunch of weird shit of people being tortured. It's like, yeah, this is a music video in you know the post apocalypse. Yeah, but um, next thing you know, though, they're intercutting back to the amateur footage, and it's implied that the killer has just taken a shit on his victim. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know he's uh, rewinding. Um, he's rewinding parts of the video uh, where where Trent saying fist fuck. Yes. Which I mean, you know, you can carve that in his headstone at this point. Um, and, and and yeah, like he's rewinding it, you know, of Trent going fist fuck, and the guy's like rubbing himself, yeah. like, yeah, that's a good idea. It's like, oh, the media, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, yeah. 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 Damn it. I wouldn't have thought of this were it not for the media. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, there, there's more more torture. And as, as a brief aside for Wish, this is the, the one negative thing that I'm going to say. Um, Wish won, I think, like, uh, best, uh, like, metal or whatever song, like, the... It's like the first year that they had the awards, and and Wish won against a number of other contenders. Amongst them was Ministry's uh, NWO, ah. um, and I I have to disagree with that. I think NWO is a is a better song. Mm-hmm. I think it's more inventive. Wish is a great song. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just think that NWO is like there's more going on in it. It's but... the personal versus the political. Right, so because <laughs> yeah, N- I mean, NWO, yeah. I believe, is explicitly political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the the clips of uh, the elder Bush yes. and everything, and yeah, just like that what fucking fuck dead situation. Piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What it, and you know, this is like the first during the first like Iraq War mm-hmm. and a lot of other yeah, just things going on at the time. But um, I guess you know, hey, maybe award shows are bullshit, and you know everyone gets a trophy. Yeah. Um, As I yeah, recall, so, the video so, for NWO made it on Beavis and Butthead, which is pretty entertaining. Yeah. So good for them. I mean, you know, they're you. You can like Nine Inch Nails and Ministry, and I'm sure anyone who likes either of them is like, well, of course, <laughs> like. Well, I, I I do like both of them as it turns out. Well, I like the genre of music. I I did find a uh, a quote from uh, again the director Peter Christopherson of uh, Coil where he actually called out uh, Nine Inch Nails records as being formulaic, which was like, oh damn, like you work with the guy, <laughs> and then you know, I mean, it was it was years later, and he said that he really liked uh, Reznor as a person, but he's like, hey, you know, I don't really play the Nine Inch Nails record because well, Trent has a good formula, the record themselves are very formulaic and it's like woo Oof, yeah Harsh. well he knows something i don't i mean and i mean i will he is from I fucking that, coil so you know right. respect. and i will say that like later stuff like after a while it's like yes trent we know you really love the swarmatron but like <laughs> it might be time to find a new instrument <laughs> like he like i know he started using it in around like with teeth or um or like the uh like the social network soundtrack but like once you're aware that it's there you're like oh he's got his fucking b machine out again can you describe what that is it is a it it's an electronic instrument that basically makes a sound that is like a swarm of bees oh i thought it was going to be like a box with like bees in it (laughs) and and when you bark it plays bees (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know but, how yeah, do you play it just shake it <laughs> yeah well it's i mean it's a nice gimmick but like mm-hmm. uh you know you you, you kind of start to recognize it and you're like yeah there's that freaking like peculiar instrument again also i gotta say i'm a little disappointed that uh he wasn't going out in the field and like sampling from like actual beehives i feel like that's what peter gabriel would have done well, that's like Martin Hanna. That's what he would have done, too. Right, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm, at, I'm out here CMI recording days. Tony fucking Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, so that's uh, that's part of it. Then we get um, "Help Me, I'm in Hell," which is a a gross out video. Uh, this is also the one that Wikipedia will tell you that uh, Trent cut parts out of to try and find out who leaked the, which tape. Yes. Um, <clears throat> this one is is fairly standard. It is a uh, a guy trapped in a room with a uh, bunch of flies. Speaking of swarms of things. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's he's having a nice uh, steak dinner, and you know. Some of the flies get involved as well. I'm getting a theme of decay here. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, could be. <laughs> and then um, also, I think there are cuts of uh, <clears throat> the of uh, the same man in bondage gear. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I watched the cutout version. Maybe and didn't have it in it. Yeah, but I mean, um, that was that so, was what I saw in the version. Uh, I rewatched the version on archive.org. So yeah, so so there's not a lot to say about that one. Um, it's a nice which, little. Um, it's a nice little uh, piece unto itself, you know. Uh, yeah, it's man it's it's a eats, breather. Uh, decaying food and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, a lot of that song is um, instrumental, so it is kind of a, a lull in that. But after that, <laughs> I didn't say that, yeah, and then and then yeah. there's the and then the guy's getting his teeth pulled out. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. Well, yeah. Now we're getting to it. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah, so the guy has been, he's been shat on, he's been fisted, he's had his cheese pulled out, he's drank gasoline. Um, <laughs> he is he's having, having a real bad day. He is having a day, let me tell a you. A day, yeah. <laughs> there are days and there are days. <laughs> um, but then we uh, get in probably, we get into probably the most well-known part. Um, yeah, this is definitely the high point of it. This is uh, Happiness and Slavery. Yes, and this was the part directed by um, John... Uh, John Rice. Rice, yeah. Um, with, and which also uh, features um, we've evoked him before on the show, um, or uh, we've mentioned him before in this episode. Uh, Bob Flanagan, the performance artist, and yeah, the masochist. sort of super masochist, yeah, yeah. And um, um but, uh, just as a you know, as a little bit of prep for this movie to kind of get a little familiar with Bob Flanagan, I watched the documentary about him, which again, which I mentioned earlier, uh, sick. Um, which is a beautiful, life-affirming movie about a man who pounds nails through his penis. I really highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember this, uh, in spite of its uh, pretty graphic subject matter, this movie uh, made a very positive impression when it came out in the late 90s. A lot of people uh, really recognized it for its uh, humanity and its... Uh, sensitivity for its subject. So, um, And it's on, yeah, it's on it's Tubi. Like, yeah, it's like... Hey, Tubi, coming through again. Yes. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, he's a normal guy who likes to be, you know, hung upside down and, you know. Yeah, like a man, um, a man struggling with chronic disease, which has shaped his entire life, Um, his relationship uh, with his uh, his wife. Yeah, he has, he had, yeah, because he had cystic fibrosis, meaning that he was supposed to die young. Yes. But he lived to be like. He lived like into his forties. Yeah. Um. The yeah, because the lifespan for people with uh, CF has expanded uh, a bit, but you know they st- they st- still tend to die on the young side. Um. In fact, um, one of the people in the movie is a a young woman, I think from Canada, who wanted to meet him. She was seventeen at the time, and um, she got in touch with him. Uh, someone facilitated it through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. She's like, I have cystic fibrosis, and I read uh, 
his book and like I think he's just great like everything he's saying like really resonated with me as someone with 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 CF and they were they actually got to meet um once she's legal there's a scene in the movie where she actually gets like a nipple piercing with uh Bob and his wife present um that's got to be a banner day for her uh, exactly right and as it happened um I did a little digging and she actually did she would have been uh, about 17 and uh 90 I want to say like 93 or 94 she actually lived till Mm. 2016 she was able to start her own business selling stuff online and she actually had like she uh, because in the movie she was talking about how she was going to be dead by the time she was 25 Mm -hmm. so and um also, the movie doesn't um, shy away from presenting his dying process, which is very difficult to watch, especially since you've kind of grown to like have some affection for this man that you don't even know and who's like seriously freaky but is genuine. Yeah. Um, and they. Well, yeah, you see that like a lot his his corporeal form embodies a lot of his work. Like if mm-hmm. you're living in a state of like constant pain. Yes. Then to to live a sort of sadomasochistic lifestyle is a way of kind of taking ownership or control of that pain. Exactly. We're saying like, yeah. So in that way, like he's kind of owning it by saying, you know, this is me dying. This is me, you know, being injured. Yeah. But this is, you know, on my terms, it's me doing this. Exactly. And um, it's always nice to see a discussion of kink which is very uh clear-eyed and not just kind of like knee-jerk that's gross you know yeah 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 just it isn't something that's like salacious or um also um the really important thing to remember with stuff like that is that for so many people um with extreme kinks they're dealing with some kind of um you know trauma or fear or you know, so just they're usually dealing with some kind of uh, traumatic thing. Yeah, I mean, Jen, yeah, like Jen, you can speak to this too because I mean, he was raised Catholic. <laughs> His parents like, seem really chill, though. Like, yeah, they know about like because they interview them in the movie and they're like aware of his work and you know they they really they don't have a negative word to say about him. You know, they really yeah, seem to understand he's got a, what he's about. But the guy yeah, was a he's very, got a gay brother. Like, yeah. they're terrible Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pro- it might have a lot to do with the fact that he's um you know he was a prolific writer as well as artist and you know he explicates himself very well um yeah just to you know just real articulate you know like not what you'd expect That's from good. that kind of person but um yeah he isn't he isn't just you know like rubbing himself going like oh that's a bit more right oh fist fuck <laughs> <laughs> you know like a, a trent Reznor type <laughs> Yeah, again, to see um, to see this kind of subject matter like discussed in in wholeness, like in in context, instead of just like oh, these people do sick shit for kicks, you know, it's um, something which is rooted very deeply within them, like it comes from yeah, and upbringing, their experiences. Yeah, and it's the same. It's the same there as it goes for like horror or you know just a well-told story. It's like what is the like authentic human experience that this is trying to convey, and to, to show that like you know kink isn't just like oh I want to be like really crazy and outrageous. Mm-hmm. It's saying like well this is addressing this like deep-seated psychological or physical issue that this person is trying to find a way to cope with, exactly. and that's why they do it. Yeah. So yeah, it makes it much more 
engaging to know like what the reasons are for why people do stuff rather than just being like oh it's pretty fucking wild yeah so we go from that to a movie where uh to a sequence where a man gets uh ripped apart by a machine and it's fucking cool yeah <laughs> right well it's, okay well yeah jen that is one way of looking at it um, be like you're like yes uh, i i watched lawrence of arabia i thought it was really fucking cool <laughs> the end like okay um so here's here's what happiness and slavery is about. It is the mechanical, impersonal, routine obliteration of a person. It is a living, sentient person who enters into this room and exits as awful. Yes. Um, in, basically. In kind of a ritualistic con- context as well, because there's, yeah, a, yeah, like he, there's a very brief ritual he, that he performs and then he's... Yeah, he lights a candle, he undresses, his clothes are burned, which is kind of this... You know, like, you know, Viking funeral sort of point of no return. And also, too, like, he enters this room and it, it feels like it feels like a room you can't then leave. Right. Which is is weird because it's like, where does this room exist? And like, who would have made such a place and to what purpose? But, you know, the the the, the, the purpose is clearly here. So, yeah, he gets he undresses and he, you know, he uh, mounts this chair and, and it turns into this sort of like, you know, killing machine that he sort of controls, but you know, but then he sort of like loses control of it, and it's like you know these claws that are like you know pinching and pulling and um, uh, like uh, like digging into him. Yeah, and again, like the man being hanged at the beginning, he seems okay with it because he is definitely experiencing pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pain and pleasure uh, taken together. It is this, you know, mechanical process that you know it's destroying a person. Which again, look at this in context of you know Trent with his record label, of you know of a person you know coming uh, for whatever reason into this room and being obliterated by it. Yes, uh, you know, by the sort of you know machines inside, um, and yeah, he's you know he's he's. Uh, you know, ripped up and you know, eviscerated until finally he he dies and is you know, turned into into mincemeat and yeah, and that it is you know Bob Flanagan in here and like you know there's like these things are are uh clawing at like his dick and balls and everything, yeah. like literal yeah, so literal d- close up on his scrotum as it's being like yanked on by uh just some kind of like rot that. metal yeah yeah. Like it, it, it prefigures a lot of like saw torture porn. It kind of um, um, also with uh, like extruding a human being. Like it does. It also again prefigures under the skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. Um, I think similarly, like we've seen this motif before with um, you know Pink Floyd's The Wall. Um, mm, right, the meat know, grinder. Uh, yeah, the meat grinder of all the kids. You know, being dropped into that, and you know, it's it's a potent metaphor. <laughs> You know of the um, uh, you know, I was just like trying to to uh to square the fact that you know this is uh you know we are sentient um, you know beings of rational thought, but we're also made of meat. Yeah, which um, I mean, like, and I think that um, Reznor, like, I think he said how much like uh, you know, Coyle's work. Uh, resonated with him because of its um, 
I don't want to say earthiness. That's not strong enough. It's like it's like scatology and it's you know confrontation of you know decay and destruction. And this this video really encapsulates it because it's you know it's it's a it's a memento mori. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, memento mori tour de force. I mean, people Nipu say Ultra, whatever you want to use. Like people say ashes to ashes, but I mean, this is a man turning into fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's worm food by the end of it, like literally. Oh, and then at the at the end, uh, the next person walks in and begins. To yeah, which is right, which is great because it plays out just like a horror movie. Which is you have the um, like the beginning scene of like here's the. Here's the threat, and here's what happens when people don't counter that threat. Mm -hmm. And then we start the story over again with our protagonist. Our protagonist being the musician. Yes. So. So yeah, the Trent's yeah, gonna so, get extruded. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, we see him as you know the next in line to be destroyed by this machine, and then just just like the like the horror of how. Um, just how how the person is just completely like disappeared by the end of it. Yes. Like you just reduced to this unrecognizable um, you know, mass at that point. So so that's a lighthearted video. And that <laughs> point, um, we we cut back to um uh to our our torture porn. Um and yeah, this is the guy's getting his teeth pulled out. Um I think at this point like this is this is where things really ramp up. I mean, he's uh he's tied hanging from the ceiling. Um this is where the um sort of uh gave up, which is a fucking tour de force of a song. <laughs> um that that's where 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 gave up starts and the great thing is like this is where like the kind of um uh it sounds cliché to say world, where worlds collide, but it is that it is the music entering the space of the um, amateur uh, snuff video. Mm -hmm. um, although that implies there are professional snuff videos. How horrifying is that? I think um, um, they, they have that on the dark web, I think. Right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it's where the music video and the uh, snuff video start to overlap. And the great thing is that we're seeing... Um, in, just from like a media perspective, the great thing is we're seeing the events as they transpire on the glitchy VHS format intercut with the black and white film uh, footage of the aftermath of the crime scene, mm -hmm. which matches the the black and white footage that we've seen at the beginning of him um, being hanged, being executed. So it is the... So it's it's... The, the torture just getting, you know, ramped up, um, you know, the, the, the guy's body is mutilated. He's cut with a razor. A, a chainsaw makes an appearance. He's dismembered. There's a blowtorch, uh, which I would love to know how they actually shot that because it's like the blowtorch goes like right. I, I assume it was probably like maybe it was a mannequin or something because the blowtorch goes right on the guy's body. Yeah, well, it could be a, a blow. It could be a mannequin, and it could be. I mean, I'm not a visual effects expert. Heck, I'm not even a movie expert. Um, <laughs> That's why we have a podcast. I know that you can, yeah, yeah, but like you can kind of um, like adjust the like the flow on those. So, like you can get a lot of flame, but not a lot of heat. Oh, okay. 
So you can do something that's kind of more for show. And if it's the sort of thing like, you know, if you ever run your hand through like, you know, a flame or something, yeah. it's like it's it's leaving it there that hurts. Right. You know, William Potter. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not passing it through the fire. It's leaving it there. So if it's just something that's, you know, really done for show, then. Did you, you know, learn? It, did you learn this when you made uh, a little amateur movie of your own? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so so things get get crazy. Um, like, just think of all the uh, negative torture things you can think of. Um, yes, the uh, uh, torture victim's penis does get cut off at one point. Um, I mean, you have to, before, you know, like it's yeah, before Chekhov's rule. Yeah, bef- you see a penis yeah, in an early in a video, you know it's going to get cut off. Well, you don't see it, but like, <laughs> but yeah, I know. but it yeah. Is a so then he gets. <laughs> Yeah, so he gets dismembered and raped, and all the while we're seeing the um, intercut with police aftermath. Like, and there's a great um, just one shot of um, uh, police line tape coming uh, into focus and going out of focus to show like the hip of a cop with his gun out, and so like you know exactly what's going on here. Like there are um, you know bewildered people at the police tape. Um, there's a, an insert of a sign that says trespassers will be eaten. <laughs> um, a, a cop, you know, going into this garage and like, you know, finding the, um, freezer of stacked bodies. There's a dismembered head in the refrigerator. Um, and this is, you know, all while, um, intercut with the, with the torch scene going on until finally, uh, it is the killer, um, you know, just like cutting the, his victim's heart out and eating it. Yeah, he's just wallowing at this point. Yeah, so he he's really living it up. Uh, he's having a, a great time. He's living authentically um, in private. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. He's being an authentic human being, which I think is the most any of us can hope for. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, we've had, you know, mutilation general and otherwise we've had dismemberment we've had you know a little bit of a texas chainsaw massacre callback we're having cannibalism sexual we're having assault. you know sado- sexual assault sadomasochism um just like just a, a laundry list of stuff that you don't want to talk to your parents about over uh, over thanksgiving <laughs> um so so we get through all this and then finally we're back where we started we're at the execution mm-hmm. and it is um you know the floor drops out, and we we see the briefest of um, glimpses of of the guy's face from when he drops, and you can see that he's he's smiling this like weird smile, mm-hmm. which is you know then he 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 drops and he drops for ages in the way that you know perhaps in your last moments time could slow down, and this is all him being able to recount what he's done to get him here. Um, but yeah, like he still has a self-satisfied look about him where it's like, heck yeah, like I did that. Like I went the distance. I did the thing. Like he's really, he's really pleased with himself. And then, you know, the, uh, the, the rope, you know, jerks. uh, ke- yeah, the rope jerks and then it ends. <laughs> and, but and wait, just like, there's more. And, yeah. And you're like, holy shit. What have I just watched? Half a minute goes by, and then there's just this this one final just like you know chef's kiss at the end <laughs> of of the fucking severed head flying across the screen. <laughs> You're just like, oh my god, what is this now? Yeah. So so yeah, this this 
video just does not pull any punches and it leaves the like <laughs> the deepest of impressions for like years to come which is why you know we're still talking about it which I've yeah. mentioned it in like no no fewer than three episodes now. <laughs> you can um, see why it, it looms large in Tim's legend. But um, yeah, funny tidbit about the ending. This is uh, direct from Wikipedia. Um, you know, obviously this uh, film was bootlegged in several versions. Um, so here's a tidbit about one of the versions. Um, in versions of the film labeled as techno necrophilia, it is followed by a segment of Robert Bud Dwyer's real life televised suicide. This does not appear on the, on the leaked DVD version. It is possible that it was merely added by a third party while the tape is circulating, which that's kind of chump. I don't know. It's like, you already have like a perfectly realized, like, um, artistic statement that you're like, no dude, we're going to put like real snuff at the end. It's fucking gnarly. You seen this shit, bro? Well, put another way, I mean, how else can you top that short of actually watching a person kill themselves? Right, which is like, I don't know why it doesn't, like, sit right, but it's like, you know, it it, it kind of feels like, you know, when you make, like, well, Tim, you wouldn't know, but some of you may know, you know, when you make a really right. good joke on Twitter, and then there are always people in their replies, like, who then make their own joke, which is a less funny version of what you just said. I've, I'm aware of that, yes. Yeah, like kind of the same thing where it's like, oh, that was pretty sick, but like, you see this shit? And it's like, yeah, yeah I'm aware of our Bud Dwyer, yes. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that, yeah, I feel like we've we've mentioned this before, but it's like, yeah, it's like you just kind of restated what, like, the joke I already made. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I know. That's, that's kind of what I said. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... Yeah, so that's that's the broken movie, which you can watch online now for free. Or you know, if you want to send uh, twenty dollars to a post office box in Ohio, you can get a copy that way too. If you have any um, friends who are like uh, you know older goths, like maybe they go to Bar Sinister in L.A., like they probably have a VHS of it somewhere. Or if you're in the Society of Janus, you can maybe you know <laughs> casually mention that to your friends, and they'll be like, oh. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I got a Betamax of that. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of ways to to access this uh, film. And the funny thing, too, is that it's, it's 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's, we've been talking for like five times longer than this thing is uh, long. But, um, well, it's, exact, it's, it's exactly as long as it needs to be. Right, yeah. Would make a very good pre-show video for a screening of Sick, the Bob Flanagan documentary. So that's going to be my recommendation. Yeah, yeah, they're they're both worth checking out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think that if you see this in the context of a person who was um, anxious that their entire career and lifestyle might be obliterated like that year... Um, something that they had, you know, had cared about for at least a decade. Um, you can see where a lot of the uh, stress and anxiety comes from. And, you know, they found a way artistically to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows why, you know, this this video and so much of uh, Nine, Inch Nine Inch Nails music uh, tends to endure. Yep. Despite what uh, Peter Christofferson says. Well, it's a, hey, it's, I, I don't. It's a solid formula. But you know, yeah. you can go listen to Coil if you prefer. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Hey, yeah, you can do do whatever you like. Um, <laughs> you know, just as long as it doesn't include kidnapping and torturing people to death. Oh, Tim, don't yuck people's yum. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's yeah, I mean, who am I to who am I to say? <laughs>